Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners, helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. can't wait for you to dive into today's episode. This is all about using Signature Story Vault to sell, your Signature Story Vault to sell. Now, the concept of using using stories is not new, especially to sell in your sales process, in your marketing process. That is nothing new, but the concept of using signature stories and having a signature story vault is very unique to my guest expert, Marav Richter. I can't wait for you to dive in. Now, Marav is a best-selling author of three books, a two-time TEDx speaker, a Robbins Medanes certified coach, a yoga and belly dance teacher, and a powerful advocate for giving voice to the voiceless. After a 25-year career in the travel industry, Marav combined her background in philosophy, her passion for mentoring, her love of exploring cultures of the world, all tinged with her vivacious spirit into her work of heart helping speakers, coaches, healers, and other rebels to write, publish, and profit from their game-changing books. As a facilitator and corporate trainer, Marav has helped aspiring authors, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to craft their life-changing message. Her students have published best-selling books, spoken on many stages, including TEDx, and have been featured in publications such as Huffington Post, Forbes, Success, and many more. In 2019, Marav launched and executed the inaugural Open Skies for Autism, a simulation flight initiative that gives children on the autism spectrum the chance to experience all phases of flight without ever leaving the ground. Her vision for the future is to run that event annually at every major airport in North America and eventually the world. Marav particularly enjoys finding fresh, funny ways to embrace all of life's turbulent moments. And you'll find out very soon why all of the flight references. I can't wait for you to dive in. This was such a juicy episode. In fact, we had to (laughs) just cut it off because we could have just going on and on and on and on. This is such a meaty topic. Now, one of the things that I think you're going to love dissecting into is where we talked about part by part heart before smart, a really quick and snappy way for you to remember exactly how to construct your stories, because I think it's an easy area where we can overthink things. Now, in case you are overdone with the hero's journey, she's actually going to give us quite a number of different types and archetypes that are specific to your um, particular author archetype, which I think is really fascinating, very interesting, because the types of stories, the signature stories that are best suited for me may not be best suited for you. And she's going to tell us exactly why that is. Now, the other piece that we dived into or dove into was really having this understanding of how archetypes can work for us, as well as why Marav didn't actually, uh, Marav never planned to be an author, a speaker, um, 
and a mentor, you'll understand exactly how her journey unfolded and why it is so important to the work that she does now. The other piece that I really loved was the uh, the framework that she gave us in terms of how to create a really impactful story and a story that sells so that you understand how to start creating your very own signature story vault. This and so much more is waiting for you on the other side. I can't wait for you to dive in. Grab your paper and grab your pen and let's get started. Marav, welcome to the show. Super excited to have this conversation with you. And before we dive into the juicy nuggets, I'm really curious, and I'm sure our audience is as well, how did you get started doing what you do? Like, take us a little bit behind the curtains and, and share with us how you how you came upon this and how did it lead you to this concept of uh, your story library with signature stories? Oh, thanks so much, Susan. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Um, it's always a joy talking to you. So, and peeking behind the veil, I mean, it's kind of funny, I guess, you know, to, to give myself in a, in a nutshell, but a pretty big nut, right? <laughs> so a coconut shell. <laughs> uh, you know, if I think of it, even back in high school, I remember going to uh, one of the guidance counselors or the career counselors and her saying, you know, well, what would you like to do when you grow up? And maybe she didn't sound as snooty, but now in my memory, there was a snootiness about the way she asked. And uh, I, at the time, since I was a young girl, I uh, traveled around the world. Well, I shouldn't say that. I actually moved to a few different places uh, through my life and, uh, you know, never stayed in one country for more than three years. And so I really wanted to be a stewardess because that was what flight attendants were called at the time. Uh, but I had a lisp, so I called it a stewardess. <laughs> <laughs> so here I was in, you know, uh, career planning in high school. And I said, well, I really want to be a stewardess because my lisp was fixed by then. And she was like, oh, that's nice, dear. You do that when you're young, before you commit to your university path. But what do you want to be to study? And I said, okay, well, I really want to be a writer. And she went, well, that's nice, dear. You do that after you've had some world experience and some real life experience, you know, be able to have a, a solid career before that. So what would you like to be? What would you like to study? You know, you st to, to, to study and then become. And I went, well, I, I guess I'd like to be a philosopher. And that sounds really interesting to me. And she went, well, okay, okay. You can major in that university. What kind of philosopher would you like to be? And I went, I, I, Greek? I want to be a Greek philosopher? I don't know. <laughs> what are my options right? here? Um, but, but I did actually when I went on at uh, I went out to study philosophy in university in university I actually got a job as a flight attendant I traveled around the world uh, loved that experience it uh, really was the probably the biggest contributor to my growth and uh, evolution as a human because I got to travel to every continent on earth and, and so many countries and uh, even when graduating from university, I stayed in that job, transitioning to uh, in the training, you know, being a trainer and, and in pulling some big initiatives through corporate. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And throughout that time, I never forgot that dream of being a writer that I had in high school. In fact, I remember for my yearbook, the vice principal signed my yearbook right on, Marav, right on. And I still now say that to people right on. It made such a mark on me that I felt like 
here was this principal, Mr. A, uh, Mr. Anderson, but we called him Mr. A. Here was this principal, a vice principal, who saw that I had some sort of talent in this writing thing, in this art called writing. And so I don't think I ever gave that up. But as I was traveling around the world as a, as a flight attendant, uh, there was something that happened to me back when, before I took, before I went into the offices and corporate, there was something that happened to me that had been sitting with me for all these years. Uh, it was something that happened in, in the year 2000. Uh, and, and I eventually created it as a, a fictional story. I fictionalized the story. And I entered into a contest and I put it out there and I won the contest for spiritual wow. fiction. Um, yeah, it was Hay House running this contest and I won this spiritual fiction novel contest. And it was like I had a new identity that created this uh, view of myself as a writer, not just as a side pursuit, you know, that thing that you do when you're much older and wiser, like that uh, guidance counselor said, it was that thing that I'm older and wiser enough to do it now. Like the experience that I had, I, I didn't need to grow into. I didn't need to, you know, mm. it's exactly where I am now. I'm good enough, uh, not just to write that story, but to write that story and then uh, win a contest and become, you know, this identity of a writer. Uh, and of course that started to open up all the doors. Um, people uh, started to really enjoy my writing style. And uh, I was very fortunate to have worked and collaborated and coached Quite a, quite a few people on their own projects to write their own stories, uh, both fictional or memoir, or even some authority archetype style that I helped them uh, be able to convert their stories that they thought were really boring stories, like ho-hum, everybody knows that, and, but to create that uh, through line, that scene in their own personal life to, to create it as a story, as what I call a signature story, and then be able to stand and give the uh, information that might be over people's heads, like in finance or in business or different things like that, that now people can relate to it because it's a human. Because, you know, they say facts tell, but stories sell. I mean, when, we're, when you're connected, heart to heart, and you can see like, oh, I, I, I understand this now. So that's kind of me in a coconut. How is that? I love that. <laughs> me in a coconut. Well, and you know, we're, we can't share all of the, the nitty gritty details, but Marav it has been a powerful resource, a guide, a mentor to so many people that you have probably read their signature stories and they're probably sitting on your bookshelf or on the walls of the bookstores that you have been able to see. And so, um, I, I just wanted to take a moment to just highlight that because I think, uh, Marav, like just the, the journey of what you have shared and the, the piece of that I really, it resonated with me was that you had that realization, that moment when you won that, that contest that you didn't need to grow into it. And I think sometimes it speaks about the core of what we're going to dive into, which is this concept of a signature story and creating a story a vault of those signature stories is that it almost feels like we have to work our way into having a signature story. Like it, 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 
couldn't possibly come from what we have already encountered or experienced because I don't know, it's the, I think it's the concept of this signature, because I think even for clients, when we're talking about how do you sell a signature offer, it becomes like this big hurdle to jump over because it's, it's just an offer, just like, you know, a story is a story, but somehow this concept of the signature just gives it so much more weight and it feels mm-hmm. heavy almost. And I, I want us as we're going through this discussion to take, to lighten that up a little bit so that people feel like it's something that they can take away and, and put into practice today. But the other piece that Marav really helped us to reinforce or remind us is that stories do help to sell. And I believe that stories sell in a way that is effortless, right? So, I mean, who doesn't love a good story? Who doesn't love watching a movie, a really good movie, a really good book, uh, a really good conversation? I feel like it all comes from the foundation of stories. Let's dive into this, this concept. What makes a signature story I love that you just asked me that. So, and a hundred percent, you know, when people hear someone speak, when they walk away and you ask them, so what did you hear that in that presentation? Guaranteed, they will never retell any of the facts, any of the research, any of the statistics, any of the links, any of the, even if they're amazing statistics, like just powerful, what they will remember, you know, if you think of, when you think of Steve Jobs, what are the incremental pieces that you remember about his life? Do you know anything about what he talked about in the boardroom? No, you remember what marked him, what changed him, what was the pivotal moment for him? Uh, you know, what were the things that he believed? It's it's the stories that we walk away and all of the numbers and all of the details that go with that are things that we bypass Uh, the human brain just does not actually have a capacity. And there's actually some great science in that. And I can geek out about the science of why, but I don't think that's the place here. The place here is, I think that the biggest thing for what I call the authority archetype, you know, those people who know what they're talking about, they are the experts in their field. They're the subject matter experts, right? The SMEs in every department. And they know exactly what they're talking about. The problem is they're so engulfed in their information that they forget that other people may not be as well versed in that specific subject area. So you have to bring it back to something that can be relatable, something that can can have someone connect with you and know why that's important for them. You know, everyone's favorite radio channel is WIIFM. What's in it for me? So that becomes the story is the glue that connects what you have to say, what your subject matter is with what's in it for them. And the way we do that, right, this is the thing that we were saying, what scares a lot of people off is that they, they, the template that we've been using up until now is the hero's journey. And I love hero's journey. I mean, it would be a disservice of me to kind of say anything about Joseph Campbell's work. I love the hero's journey. I call it like the hot mess to success or you know, there's different, that template is great. However, a lot of people who are very successful in their business and, you know, very successful in, in general in life are looking at it and going, gosh, I, I was never in an abusive 
married or I was never raised in an abusive home or I was never addicted to drugs. Uh, I was never down and out from alcohol dependence. I never lived in my car. I, you know, gosh, I don't have an interesting story. And that is uh, the disservice of the only story template that's been, that, that authors have been writing or, or coaches have been kind of bringing to the table. It's a disservice because you do have an interesting story. In fact, you have a story vault of a lot of interesting stories, a lot of ways that you can connect with people and your story doesn't have to look like you hit rock bottom, like you fell into the abyss, like you had a dark night of the soul to realize that, that information. You have stories in your day-to-day -day life that show how you made a realization around investments. And it probably has something to do with your children's, uh, uh, you know, whether or not you give your children an allowance and, or, and how they spend it. There's a, that's a great story. Now, it makes it relatable. It makes us understand, well, if I give my child $5 allowance, is it tied to their chores or should the chores be separated? Right now, we're actually all with it with you. We're in it with you because that makes it relatable to all of us because we either have children or we've been a child. So it's finding those stories. Mm, I love this concept, um, Marav, because I think, and I mean, I, I love the hero's journey. I recommend StoryBrand all the time with Donald Miller, which re the whole concept is the hero's journey uh, brought into a different, um, a different language. But so for everybody listening, if you're listening right now, I want you to really think about what is it that allows you to be relatable, to allow you to connect to the people that you are here to serve, right? And I think sometimes like what you had just shared there, Marav, it's the things that we take for granted as if we just, they're, they're just not interesting enough because I think even for myself, yes, it's great to hear the hero's journey, the origin story, the rags to riches or the down and out to the not so bad, you know, all of these huge transformational but they become very tired because they become the, it feels like they become the only story that's told. So I love that, yeah. that you encourage us to have more than one signature story and that you have, we have then a story vault, right? So if I'm sitting here right now and I'm going, okay, I love this. I have something that instantly comes to mind. Like, where do we start? I guess, like if we have to figure out, man, I've, I've lived you know, lots of years on this, on this earth. If I have to go all the way backwards, is it better to go backwards and look at, you know, pivotal moments or these, or is it the small day to day and kind of look at the here and now, what am I doing now? And then move forward. What would you recommend for us to start accumulating those stories that we know are relatable, but it can be overwhelming. So where do we begin? I love that. Part by part, heart before smart. Say that again, part by part, heart before smart. So first of all, and, and it really depends, as you know, I actually uh, do an assessment with the authors that I work with. I actually can really hear what how the way people talk, I can already hear which author archetype they are. Uh, and depending on that, it really does create, become a, their own signature. So each person will have their own particular signature, really depending on how their mind works how they speak, uh, the way they tell a story naturally. Uh, and then it's about creating each of those parts and the 
common thing with expert archetype, which is what I consider you are, and probably most of the people in your audience, people who have a real expertise in their specific niche, what they often want to do is share their smarts first. A rule in the publishing world, uh, it used to be actually that publishers, you know, they all knew that seven out of eight books don't actually make money. It's the one out of eight books that makes the publishing house money that they're banking on. But with that, a book that uh, relative to how much and, and what, what it is for the audience, even people who aren't writing a memoir, they're writing an expert book, but the more parts you share with the audience about yourself, the better that book does and the more parts it reaches. So it's sort of like a reverse engineer. It's not smarts first. It's part by part, part before smart. So you want to connect each part. Now that does not look, and I want to caution this, I want to really emphasize this. A big thing that we've seen in the world today is social media and everyone sharing all their dirty laundry. And I want to write, right? I want to right now say, we are not, don't, we're not talking about sharing your stories that are talking about, you know, little Susie who just went, Oh, uh, your name is Susan. I shouldn't, uh, you know, but little, little Johnny who, <laughs> who, okay. who went today and peed his pants. Well, you don't need to share your embarrassing moments or your kids' embarrassing moments or what you had for dinner. No, no. But we're looking at each part. So if you want to convey, let's say, as a, as a someone who has a lot of uh, financial background, a lot of financial knowledge, if you want to convey one specific thing about finances, so you may use a story about when your kids were first starting to get an allowance, uh, that how, how much you determined, or maybe a great story from your own life for this one part. It's a similar snapshot of one part of your life. Uh, let's say, for instance, when your son lost his tooth and did you give him money from the tooth fairy? And is there a great, funny, sweet, cute story around how he, whether he invested or whether you imparted on him a lesson about investment and spending with his money that the tooth fairy left him. Mm -hmm. Because now we can start to understand that part about investment versus savings. That's a part that, that you're very smart at. But we're now going to create a story that's a singular snapshot in a time that's going to connect people's hearts because gosh, doesn't everyone just love a great, funny, sweet story about the, what the child is doing with their $1 loony or toony, their, their $1 or $2 coins, or, you know, or, or $5 or $10 if you're a generous tooth fairy. Um, so, you know, that connects people's hearts. But now they can really understand this love, higher level, smart, uh, definitive research. You are an expert in that. Uh, and that subject matter now becomes relatable. I love, I love that. And I, I've been taking notes and I, I wrote down a, a little snippet because just before we hopped on, Rob and I were talking about the fact that I have been pulled in back into this world of uh, finance and financial acumen. It's where I cut my teeth in corporate and quickly wrote up a book. And I, as I am sure you find a lot of experts, we do want to serve and we want to give the the information that kind of meet. And I think this is a really great reminder, even for me, well, especially for me, because I 
often will use more of my head space as opposed to always my, my heart or my spirit space. And I love what you shared. And if you don't have this kind of plastered everywhere, um, I would highly recommend it, Marav, because part by part, heart before smart is such a catchy tagline, a slogan. Like it's so amplifiable in the way that we can like rally behind stories that are really about part by part and heart before smart. And immediately what showed up in my memory was like my, my kid, I have a son and a daughter and they treat money very differently. We teach them the same thing, but we've realized because their natural tendencies are almost completely opposite. My daughter loves to save. She's already planned. I'm going to have a car. My apartment's going to be fully furnished. I have all the money that I'm going to use for it. Saving up every single penny. And meanwhile, my son has decided that he's going to, he say, he spends the money before he's received it. It's already well, <laughs> so it's like it's already spoken for in and out. It totally is right, and so just very different approaches of how we have to help them to manage their own natural tendencies, so that they can still be a good steward of the the money that they are able to receive, and to just identify their kind of blind spots. And so I I wrote that down for myself just as as a memory to make sure that I don't gloss over because I think sometimes we skip over the value of those stories and right. Like the, the value of the story. And I think if anything, because I think a lot of times, especially when we are talking to potential clients and we're doing these presentations or we're speaking on a stage, whether it's virtual or in person, and we know that we want to give value, but I think sometimes we underestimate the value of our own personal story yes, and the value of that connection that it allows people to just feel, feel something like there's so much, right? Like there's so much value in just being able to sit in the audience and like you feel uplifted or you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm down in the dumps with them. And that doesn't happen just by me spouting out a whole bunch of facts and figures like you had shared. And, and it's even more relatable. I mean, here it was, you told me about your son and your daughter and right away I'm thinking I have three kids and I right away wanted to tell you, oh, I can relate because my three kids are completely three different. We teach them the same, but my older son also only wants to save my second son wants to, you know, it's, it's like going through his hands, like water through his hands. And my daughter is oblivious, like oblivious. I could say to her, you know, Hey, do you want to earn an extra this for this chore? No. She's like, I mean, even if I give her an allowance, she puts it in a piggy bank and forgets about it and not a care for money in the world. Uh, so completely, you know, as you were telling your story of relatability with your own two kids, which you may, as the subject matter expert in finance, may feel like, well, sharing about my kids doesn't re- relay the level of intelligence and intellectual, you know, uh, my intellectual quotient when it comes to finance. And yet it does. It's, it's the antithesis. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the um, counterintuitive that in fact, uh, and the smartest people, want to impress with uh, facts, figures, research, statistics. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's the thing that has people tune out the most. 
and that relatable story, um, you know, and, and even, I actually think that uh, those heroes journey at part of, again, like I said, much, you know, I give honor and homage to Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and anyone who's written about it, I'm not trying to in any way dog them or say that it's not worthy. And definitely if you have a hero's journey story, share that, continue to share that. Though I feel like so many people were given that template over the last 20 or so years that the that we're bored of hearing it. And it's made the people who are very relatable feel like they have nothing to give because they don't have this huge That's story. That's so critical, right? Because I think this is where I feel like there's a rise of the everyday Agreed. hero that, right? Like this, the, the silent warrior. I agree. <laughs> that it's uh, the ones that are just good. You're just good people and you're doing good things. And, and yet you're not getting maybe all the awards of the accolades, or maybe you have, but because you have so many of them, it just kind of feels like, well, this is now your, this is your norm. And so how do you identify? And so I hope that some of what we shared with you already has given you some thought around how you can make sure that you don't overlook these gems that you have to allow your experiences and to allow your humanness and that personal connection that you have to really help somebody else. Because I think this is where, like, we just had a moment of even deeper connection, right. which I think is really beautiful. And it was unexpected because <laughs> this whole, this whole coming back into numbers and finances in particular is a uh, like a re revamp. And so, no, I'm not shifting away from sales, but guess what? Sales is all about numbers. And if you don't know your numbers, you could be making all the money in the world. And I've had clients making millions, multiple millions, and they really, they're still having to clock in like nine to nine or nine to midnight because they still can't manage all of the pieces that are, are keeping them right. stuck. And so it's, it's really about making sure that I think for, for everybody and Marav, because we've been talking uh, a few times about this uh, idea of an archetype. Can you share with us a little bit more? Because I know most of us are going to fit into the authority archetype, but there's six that you've identified, I believe. And I want us to really understand because, hey, listen, I know if you're listening right now, you are a multi-passionate. You have lots of different areas that you love and adore and that you probably are uh, either teaching on or speaking on or helping people with. And how would it feel for you to be able to understand, because I'm really intrigued by what Marav had shared, that based on our signature archetype, it dictates or gives us a little bit of a guide for how we create those stories. Like there's an easy way to have this kind of come together as opposed to feeling like it's pulling teeth. And I love the fact that this archetype is a, a tool that will allow us to, to navigate that a little bit more, more quickly, but also more yeah. clearly. Yeah, so I love that you said that. And 100%, every one of us fits into one primary archetype, but of course in today's world, uh, you really need to be, you know, have an awareness of each one of these archetypes. Now, just a little primer on archetypes in case you hear this word and it's completely out in left field or you think that it's like sort of psycho mumbo jumbo. I'll just give a little primer, you know, Plato first created this idea of forms that exist, that pre-exist. Uh, and I actually had a friend many years ago who had a second career. She became a handwriting 
analysis, you know, analyst. So, so she would do handwriting and analysis, really interesting stuff and coming from, you know, a very different background. But point of it is that in her studies, I remember her telling me that in fact, every single place in the world, it does not matter if it's in the slums in Brazil or the country, you know, the outback country of Nepal or in the mountains or in the by the lake or Mediterranean, it does not matter. If you ask a child to draw a house, they will try, draw a square and a triangle. It's a pre-existing form that exists. Very often they'll even draw the chimney, which in many of these places, they don't have a chimney. Um, but it's a pre-existing, you know, when you see that picture, it represents something to you. That becomes an archetype. You know, Carl Jung identified that we have archetypes uh, like the father archetype, the mother archetype. Uh, and so I'm taking it as a step further that in today's world, in bringing out a book, in today's uh, literary publishing world, you need to have a few, uh, knowledge of a few of these different archetypes. And you also need to know which is your stronger suit and where you're really uh, maybe not as, Maybe it's pulling teeth to do that part. Maybe that's the part you outsource. Maybe that's the part that you don't focus your energy on, on that. So the creator archetype, you know, that's a, an archetype of, they are so, they have so many ideas. The hardest part with the creative archetype is pinning them down to one. Whenever I work with a creator archetype, I say, okay, keep the ideas flowing. We're now going to build sandbanks on the sides of the river so that your creative ideas are, we're gonna keep them one at a time until they verge because a creative archetype, they're brilliant. And we probably all know one of these, we might be married to one. <laughs> Just someone who we're, we respect their minds so much, they're brilliant, but gosh, it's hard to pin them down to one subject because they just know so many. Uh, that's a creative archetype. Then there's the storyteller archetype. The storyteller archetype in today's world is, is an archetype that is the absolute best at uh, podcasting. The best tool for a storyteller archetype is to actually record themselves giving a book uh, and then have that transcribed. There are tools and techniques, but they are just the, the people who you just want to sit in a rocking chair on a porch somewhere in a in Georgia and listen to them talk. They're just compelling storytellers. They can tell a story like nobody's business. Uh, then you have the, the writer archetype and the writer archetype is one of those that gives really great zingers, like tweetables, you know, the person who gives really great, like, you know, part by part, hearts before, heart before smarts, hearts before smarts. That's a, mm. a writer, it's really a, a a great tool to have as a copywriter, but it's also those little uh, nuggets that create the difference between uh, having really great copy in the beginning of an interview or a podcast, or those those highlighted bold areas that when you're printed in a magazine or an online magazine, that's where people will retweet you. And that becomes uh, what then becomes a meme or a, a postcard that uh, people remember you by. Uh, then, of course, in today's world, it used to be back in the, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, a great author would be able to take all that and send it off to the publisher and say, here you go, I've done my part. And then the publisher would take all over the rest. And we know that in today's world, that doesn't exist anymore. Even 
the publishing house will say, you've got to now uh, bring this, you know, have this ready, have this ready, do the podcast, do the, you know, book yourself for, for YouTube tours, book yourself, start promoting on social media. So those are the parts where you have to be a promoter and have a promoter mindset and how that looks uh, and really creating what's called partnerships or uh, become, you know, especially in masterminds or affiliates, right? Affiliate with each other. Uh, and then there's the uh, publisher uh, archetype. The publisher archetype is then how do you take this book and how do you just allow that book to begin to open up to online courses, weekend retreats, uh, summits, anything else that you can actually position your brilliance beyond the book, right? The publishing mindset is beyond the book. And then of course, then there's the authority archetype. That's the person who's already an expert in their field, who will already be asked to come give keynotes at someone else's summit or at uh, or being interviewed on large media channels, TV, internet, uh, print. Uh, and we want to really bring that expert to have them relating uh, with story, with those uh, copywriting, those zingers, right? With uh, some creative pursuits, right? Bring it all together. And today's author really needs to have a little bit of each of those hats or at least be familiar enough with them to know how that can translate. And the, the person who does that really, really well is very successful in the uh, author, as an author and in the author world. And guys, so in the show notes below, um, but moravrichter.com forward slash 6AA is where you can figure out your very own assessment, enter in your stuff, and then it will give you a recommendation based on your individual kind of propensity, which of the, the six archetypes you're going to fit into, even though right now you may be going, well, I think it might be this. I think it might be that I've done it. It's amazing. So go and do that. It's a free gift for you to be able to have access. And then Rob gives you some details around how to use that, right? Like go beyond that, because I think it's really important that once we understand it's like, what is that? Is it, was it Descartes? Know thyself? It, like, know it thyself. was the Oracle of um, Delphi. Uh, Apollo's, yeah, it was, know thyself. Oh. It was actually printed um, sort of, the, yeah, above the doorway. So, yeah. Right? I, and I think that sometimes, and it's one of those things that we are insanely curious about is how do we have deeper knowledge about who it is that we are and how we how we be in the world. And I love that this kind of circles back to your, the story that you shared with us with your counselor, right? What would you like to be, right? This whole idea of, and it feels, <laughs> I know, even now it's like, what would I like to be? Who, who am I being? It's a, a constant yeah. journey. But I think that the more that we are able to peel off those layers and really just understand what is the strengths how do you naturally like to operate in this world, especially as it relates to your storytelling and your ability to be an author? Marav, you had shared, you know, the majority of folks, which chances are right now, if this is you, please reach out to Marav because she is one of the, the best. I would not be bringing her on if she wasn't, but everybody has a story in them that they actually would love to see 
in a published form, right? They would love to be an author and call themselves an author, even if you didn't uh, think of that when you were a small child, you didn't, maybe right now you don't think of yourself as a good writer. There's so many different ways that you just share through the, the, the archetype of how we can navigate that. And with your help and your guidance, it really allows us to overcome so that we don't have to get in our own way of how we're naturally inclined. So just like we had shared earlier, right? Like our yeah. kids, we have natural tendencies. So work with the, the natural tendency and the strength so that you can make the most out of the stories that you do have. And if you feel like that's, that's something that could enhance your brand or really just serve your people, go for it. I mean, if anything, the year 2020 has taught me and continues to reinforce for me that yeah, there's no time like today, right? Like, I, d don't put it off because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you feel like this is something that would create an impact, and it, and if that means a published book, please, this is your clearing call, go forth, do it. But at the end of the day, uh, I also know that every one of us has a story vault. Yes. Every one of us has these signature stories that Marav has so beautifully helped us to understand. And so today, your action item, I want you to go and pick a story. I want you to go and share that story. It doesn't have to be super long. It doesn't have to be super elaborate. Just think about how you can be relatable, how you're connecting with folks. And if you do it, please tag us. Uh, we are on social media. Um, at Susan McVeigh, at Marav Richter. Uh, links will be down below in the show notes for you to be able to tag us because I think it takes it takes courage to be able to take that first, first step and to be able to share. Um, so before we end, Marav, I'd love for you to just share with us one additional piece around like if somebody is really struggling, right? Because we've given them like, here's some tactical and practical with some examples. If someone's still struggling after all of this and and if they were coming to you today and they said, okay, Marav, like I really I really am struggling to figure out what part of my experience could help me. I'm a business owner, I'm looking to enhance my sales. I know that you shared that stories sell, but now I'm like, ooh, and now I'm overthinking things. Um where can I if I don't feel like something that I want to share is immediately connected to my business, oh, brilliant. what do I do? Okay, so here's a little bit of what you just said there is probably the number one thing that every author that I work with has expressed or every person that I have ever worked with. And it really is, I want, I want you to get, it's a, it comes under the umbrella of the imposter syndrome. It comes under that umbrella of like, well, I'm mm. not really... Oh, very interesting or what I have doesn't have value and so really just to, first of all understand that that's every single one of us every single person from authors that have really uh, created some really best-selling books that I've worked with and people who have been even signed uh, to create movies uh, each one of us at one point admits that it's like well I don't really have you know I, I feel like an imposter uh, and so just know um, that is the resistance that's going to come up uh, when you set out to write. Uh, and now, 
even if you're not writing a book, I'd say that in 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 just the world that we live in today, uh, especially as we've gone much more reliant on our technology, you know, we're living in a virtual world. Um, so even opening up uh, a, a board meeting, an executive meeting, opening up, you know, a podcast or writing a blog or, uh, you know, even people who are in high positions, high, high sort of corporate positions, I've been seeing the trend are now starting their emails, their, even their weekly emails, their, their co company emails with just a little bit of an insight into their own life. So what you choose to tell reflects more about you and your choices than it does about what, you're, what you think you, the other person wants to be impressed with. So did you ever uh, go to the movies with your husband and have a, a nice conversation afterwards about that movie and just you introducing it, that you went to see this movie with your husband without even knowing which movie and what your point of the story is, which it does need to have a point, but just that little introduction tells me a whole world about Susan and her values and what's important to her and how she spends her time and money. So I just want people to understand like that is not being a, a, an imposter or an imposition or putting yourself as if you know everything. It's, it's coming in with who you really are and allowing the people to relate to you who you really are through what you've chosen to tell them. And so that sort of alleviates that resistance. I love I love that. I love what you just shared there, Marav, right? Because I, I instantly feel like, oh, some of some, I know you're listening right now and you're going, I feel some resistance. I, I, I don't want to share who I really am because for privacy or, you know, fear, visibility, all kinds of stuff that can, can come up when we're forced no, I'm going to backtrack. That's a bad choice of words. When we are encouraged to show up as our true authentic self, it, it, yeah. it requires yeah. courage. It does because it leaves us open to people. You know, what if they criticize? What if they say something like now I have nothing to hide behind because this is all hundred percent me. What right. if they don't like right. me? Right. And as somebody who has gone through that as a kid, as an adult, I know that sometimes that can be hard to overcome, but I, I love the fact that you also are giving us a way out that it is based on what you are okay to 100%. share, what you choose 100%. to share. Yeah. And I, and I would say that, and I would love your, your thoughts on that. Cause now I'm like, Oh man, we, we might have to go for a little bit while longer on this one. Right. Is that it feels to me almost like, then we can kind of do a bit of like peeling of the onion. And as we get, we gain our, our confidence in telling our story and starting with stories that maybe are easier to share because it, it's not as close to our heart. Like I know that you had shared with us heart before smart. I feel like there's layers of how close to our true heart we get. And so there may be things that are, they're right. safe stories, right? They're, they're, they don't have as much, uh, weight to them or they don't right. have as much meaning um, 
And it doesn't feel like if somebody didn't like that story, that it would hurt us so, so deeply. And so I know you, you have some thoughts on this. I'd love to hear what you, you have to share. I'd love that. Uh, and so I'm going to give you uh, just a little insight, a little nugget of wisdom, and then go into a story. So I'll just say, um, first of all, you know, a lot of the category of archetype that, that we've been speaking about is in that expert or authority archetype, because this is the archetype that you, the space that you're holding. And so obviously your vibe attracts your tribe, your people will probably be coming in the same, though other archetypes may be writing, let's say a very personal memoir. Like let's say someone like Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth mm. Gilbert might've written very, very touching, not an authority archetype. She, she didn't position herself in any way as someone who, who knows what, what she's talking about. In fact, she was very earnest and authentic and transparent in how much of a, how much she didn't know and how, uh, and how she was going on a journey to find herself. Uh, that requires a certain level of, uh, of transparency and a certain level of, uh, you know, and, and the same considerations wouldn't, wouldn't be with her in her situation uh, as a, she's a creator archetype. Uh, and we've seen that in her body of work. She can write a memoir like Eat, Pray, Love. She can write a fiction. Uh, she can write uh, something that's empowering. I mean, everything about her is creative, is creator archetype. Uh, with her, there's that part about uh, write from your scars, not from your wounds. Hmm. So if you are, let's say, looking to write a memoir uh, and you're going through a divorce, it is great to have emotion and allow the book to come as a catharsis or the writing to come as a catharsis or the journaling. I mean, it doesn't even ever have to see the light of day. But once you're ready to show it to people, to publish it, ensure that this story is part of your history, that you can now tell it, you can empathize with the character from that story but it no longer triggers a reaction in you that, that opens a wound. There's enough scars. So that's for that kind of, you know, anything that's sort of a memoir um, or an experience that is very, very cathartic for you to write about, write from your scars, not from your wounds with that. And then I'll go into a little story about uh, uh, the archetype of uh, the storyteller quintessentially a storyteller is Brene Brown. She's mm. legitimately, she comes from Texas. She has that Texas twang. I can picture her. having lemonade. Everybody loves her, right? She's a fantastic storyteller. You could just sit and listen to her till the cows come home. But she also, uh, in one of her books, in Braving the Wilderness, she talks about she having been raised in Texas, she is uh, have was raised at to go hunting. It was part of her formative years and she grew to love it because it was a bonding family experience for her. So she is, she promotes hunting and therefore gun ownership. She is also in her private life in her own jurisdiction and her own mental, you know, sort of sovereign jurisdiction. She's quite uh, adamant as a person who believes in liberal rights and, uh, you know, freedom of, of expression and freedom of sexuality and, um, you know, and, and same-sex marriage. She, 
And people come to her and they say, how can you be a NRA promoter and a same-sex promoter? How can you be a liberal, liberal and a Republican? How can you, you know, we want to hate, like this group of people wants to hate this group of people, but you don't belong there, you belong here with us. And this group of people wants to hate this group of people, but you don't belong there. And uh, and that really does take courage. And so even though she's not talking about something that uh, she's not bleeding on the paper, it's not like the memoir style, uh, but she is saying 100%, it's, you've got to brave the wilderness. She, she had to have courage to be able to say, I mean, she could have hushed, hushed the part about her that believes in that and or the part about her that believes in that. But she felt like that now, having come to this level of awareness and um, willingness to be seen, she's ready to brave that wilderness but it didn't happen with her first book. No, not at all. I love that. I love that. And what a story to end with, right? Because I think this is where we often compare ourselves to chapter 10 or the epilogue, right? The end of the book when we are still in the prologue. We haven't even gotten to (laughs) chapter one. Yeah. Lovely. Love the analogy. A hundred percent. And I think I love that story. I love that because we are all on our own individual journey of how deeply we want to connect and how authentically we want to share the types of stories that we have inside of that vault. And I love the fact that Marav, you've given us uh, access today and also permission to really think thoughtfully about what stories can we start to share And how many stories can we now accumulate without having to be like all on that one? Because I think while it's important to have one or, I mean, if the hero's journey, if it fits, please use it. We're not saying like, don't use it, use it, use it, use it. It is a, it is an archetype. It is a a formula. It is a template that is tried and true for a reason. This is just another perspective for those that may have struggled in the past to use that as a tool. And as a result, you have not allowed your, uh, your audience to connect with you. You have not allowed your stories to kind of come out of the vault because it's, I mean, yes, we're saying collect them and, and put them in the vault, but I also want to encourage you that if you already know the stories that you need to tell, like today, please go and share. We've given you some action items already. Marav, this has been so, so amazing. Like just blew my socks off. Where can folks <laughs> find out more about you? How can they uh, connect with you if they need more of your services or just to, to stay connected with uh, all the wonderful stuff that you're working on? Well, thank you so much, Susan. It's my pleasure entirely. It's been such, such a pleasure to connect with you and the time just goes by whenever we get together. Uh, and please, it, people can visit me at www.maravrichter.com. I'm sure that'll be written out because uh, spelling it out is, <laughs> uh, is it's, it's often people hear it and they have a different way of spelling it, which is always fun to see. Uh, and definitely they can connect with me there. They can send me a link. And of course, I always love when people connect with me on social media, especially Facebook. So please find me as Marav Richter on Facebook. That is probably my favorite playground to play in. Perfect. Yes. And we will have all of the links below in the show notes for you. So if you happen to be 
doing something where you can't easily access that, make sure that you pause, save this so that it stays in your feed. And then you can go back and, and click below so that you can grab all of the links that we're going to be sharing with you. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time.